You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, internet? This is Alex. And I'm Brad. And we're filmmakers. And we're drinking bourbon. Yes, we are. Cheers. Cheers, man. Good to have you back. How are you doing? So Brad Gollowin, who we've had on the show before, mm -hmm. say hi to everyone. Hello, internet. That so, was pretty good. It's normally Brandon's line, but- I know. I kind of stole it today. Mm. Welcome back, dude. Where you been? I've been around the world. <laughs> Literally. Where you been? Stuck right here in good old Cincinnati. Mm. Yeah. Where, Where you been? You, you literally have been around the world. Yeah, I went to Europe for about 40 days with a uh, band. We were touring, um, and I was doing photo, video kind of stuff for them. Wow. And we went all through Europe, um, Paris, Luxembourg, Germany, um, Czech Republic. Who was the band? Uh, Red Sun Rising. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did a video for them. Yeah, we did. We did. That was a while back, though. Like two years ago? I think so. Yeah, yeah. The other side, crazy mm -hmm. green and blue and twisty. I like it. Yeah, ended up number one rock hit. It was. It was number one for a while. And then they followed that up with another one. Another number one. Another one. Another one. Yeah. I get it. So, cool. So how was the tour? You said you were doing video and stills. Were you using the same camera for both, or what were you doing? Um, It was different every night. I kind of just picked and choose what I wanted to do. Um, I had a film camera. And I had just a, you know, Mark III, Canon Mark III. Nice. Um, and I was kind of just going back and forth between video and stills and just kind of all the content. Um, and then when I got back, I had like a couple hundred photos, you know, film rolls that I had to get developed, which and I just got those back and they all turned out really awesome. Very cool. Was that mostly stage stuff or were you also doing kind of like them on location in each country or, in country or city or whatever? Yeah, it was uh, on stage every night, and then we did, like, a bunch of candid stuff just behind the scenes. We're kind of, like, toying around with the idea of a documentary, yeah. um, just kind of seeing where it goes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of getting everything. Sweet. Did you shoot interviews, too, then? Yeah. Um, I did interviews, like, every other day, um, and then... The band actually just put out a piece that I shot and edited where they kind of talk about going to Russia, which mm. that was like, I couldn't go to Russia, which really sucked. Because of like the visa stuff? or Yeah, like three weeks before they went, it's kind of when we all agreed that I'd be going with them. But like they said, they needed like well over a month to get like all their paperwork done. Mm. And like even like a week before... Um, they were to leave for the tour, they still didn't know if it was gonna clear or not. So for me to go, it was just like impossible. Dang, she just hit up Trump, man. Be like, hey, <laughs> call your buddy Putin, yeah. give me in. Call up Vlad, <laughs> <laughs> give me the hookup. But, um, but yeah, anyway, they just put out like a uh, tour wrap up video that I did and they talk about going to Russia and how like crazy it was for them because they had like a huge fan base in Russia. And really? like, there, that was their biggest show. I mean, there were like six thousand people there at that Russian show. Wow! And after the show, there were like people that stuck around and were like cheering for them, and 
It's crazy. Man. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what, what were some of the like big venues like in some of the other countries you did see? Um, one of the other biggest venues was in Prague, mm-hmm. which Prague is amazing. Um, lots of shenanigans in Prague. Um, <laughs> but that venue was probably like 3,000 people. It was like a huge hockey rink, basically. Cool. Converted hockey rink into a concert venue. Um, nice. And then there are also ones that were like really small, you know, like intimate 700, 800 people. That's uh, still a pretty good size, though. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of like a little bigger than the, uh, there's a venue in town here, Bogarts. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that size, maybe a little bit smaller with like a balcony of people, but mm. all sorts of ranges depending on where they're going. I mean, it was their first time ever in Europe, which is why it was cool to cover it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sweet. So when you're doing these, are you are you on stage? Or are you out in the crowd? Is it a little mixture of both for the video portions? Um, pretty much wherever I can get. I mean, in like the smaller venues, you can't even, there's no barrier. There's no pit for photo video. So like that's not an wow. option. So the fans are right up against the stage? Yeah. So in those, I tried to either just like go up on the balcony or just go on stage behind the band and kind of shoot out. Um, and then in the bigger venues kind of take advantage of having that room. Mm. But uh, pretty much I just went wherever I wanted. There was even at that big show in Prague, I actually uh, just went right on stage and stood like directly in front of the drummer <laughs> and like just kind of blocked the view of the drummer. Yeah. But uh, what we were video, doing though. is, yeah, every night I was uh, taking footage for one of their specific songs because we're kind of going to do like a live video release eventually of that. Very nice. So, so piece together all the different venues and yeah, it should be really nice cool. Nice. Cool. So let's talk about this documentary thing. Is this just uh, something you were collaborating with the band on? Is this something you came up with? How, um, how did it? How did this whole thing begin? Yeah, it was kind of inspired. Um, well, I've known the band for like ever ago since like five years ago. I did a couple of music videos for them, like before they were signed. They're on Razor and Tie now, which is like pretty big indie label in New York. They have like the Pretty Reckless and a bunch of other big rock bands, but um, it was kind of inspired by the Netflix series, Making a Murderer. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like that takes place over the course of like 10 years. So I kind of had this idea with the band since I already have footage of them before they were ever even signed that maybe It'd be cool to do a documentary that's like long term that kind of shows them, the you know, progression. rags to riches, sort of, you know, them yeah. becoming the next whatever Foo Fighters or yeah. or being homeless in the streets. I was going to say, yeah, not to like jinx it or anything, but it could <laughs> go the other way. You yeah. could be following the story and it could they could just be like, hey, we're going to go off our own separate ways right. and the band dissolves. Yeah, that's what's you know? crazy about it is nobody knows what will happen and yeah. could be anything. The, the essence of a great documentary is discovery along the way. Yeah, so we're just kind of right now playing it by ear. It's not like there's any sort of like budget for it or that it's in production. It's just I'm sort of covering them as a band, mm-hmm. giving them content now, and in the meantime, I'm storing it, and we're kind of just seeing where this goes. Sweet. So an interesting idea or question I just thought of. As you're doing this, say it goes on for... 10 years, like a making of making a murderer thing. 
do you keep shooting on the same gear to keep consistency? Do you evolve with the technology? Do you start shooting on, you know, 6K DSLRs or whatever when they come out? Right. Um, well, in my mind, the plan is to kind of, the production value will evolve with the band getting bigger and bigger. Mm. So like right now, I'm sort of like intentionally shooting it pretty gritty. Like, you know, normally the stuff we work on, we're shooting, mm -hmm. you know, on Red or Alexa and, you know, awesome prime lenses and yeah. huge crew. Uh, for this, it's just like me with my 5D Mark III, um, like no lighting for anything, just running gun, kind of black and white gritty. Yeah. Like just get the content. And so if this does happen, in my mind, it's kind of like by the end, then we're going to be shooting on whatever is the best of the best at that time. With a crew, with lighting, with right. here's where we are now. Right. And so Sweet. as the band gets huge, you'll see that production value go along with it. Interesting. I, I like the idea that yeah, people yeah. are visually oriented to, to their success. Right, right. Nice. Well, what else is going on, man? I mean, you've always got a bunch of stuff in the hopper. Uh, but you've also got a bunch of stuff that you've already done that mm. maybe everybody hasn't seen yet. Well, I have a short film that we filmed like two years ago now. It was a while back. Yeah, yeah. I think we shot it on like the original Alexa. Is that right? The Alexa EV. Yeah, the, the classic version. No yeah. bells and whistles, just the good sensor. Yeah, with uh, what did we use? The uh, Ultra Primes? Ultra Primes. Super sharp. Yeah. Yeah. T two lenses, so fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Good package. But uh yeah, so we've had that for a while, just kinda we tried the festival circuit a bit, a couple small hits, but nothing big. So it's a pretty abstract Yeah, narrative. I mean it was never yeah. supposed to, you know, it's very small, micro yeah. budget, just kinda shot it all in one day. Yeah. Um, but still a really, you know, I think cool story. Um, but yeah, I'm looking to put that out. Maybe, I don't know. You want to do it today? Like, can, like right now? Can we, can we do that? I don't know. Can, are you willing to do that? Do you guys have a website that we can embed it on? <laughs> no, this podcast podcast has no media presence. Then I guess, I guess we can't do it. I'm kidding. Yes, we do. And I yes, know. we can. And we will. Should we throw that up there? Like right now? Right now. So as you're listening to this podcast, you can go to ftbpodcast.com and there will be a link, a non-password protected link, because now it's out in the open, to Brad Gallo and short film Eddie. And you can check it out. But if you're not an FTB listener through the weekend, you will not know that, that it's out there. That's the only place you can see it, because this is an FTB exclusive. That Alex filmed. That I filmed. I directed. Brad, <laughs> Brad shot. Which, by the way... Brandon watched, so there's a tie in there, too. Yeah, sure. Well, last time I was on, he hadn't seen it yet. Oh, he's seen it. Cool. He knows what it's about. But anyway, I talked about it a little bit last time, but basic concept is it's about an old man who is basically obsessed with his neighbor. It's like a young female, college-age girl, and he kind of has a routine where he wakes up every day in the morning, and he just kind of like creeps on her through the window. He's just staring at her as she gets ready. Yeah. And uh, you kind of don't know where it's going to go from there. Yeah. I mean, he could be, I'm just going to put my two cents in. He could be lusting after her That's or true. he could feel protective in some form of other, you know, connection. Right. Or he could chop her up. 
Or he could chop her up at the end. We don't know. There is that option. You'll have to watch and find out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Eddie for a second. How did you come up with that idea? Like, what was this something that just sprang out of the blue? Had you been thinking about it for a while? Actually, it's, uh, well, we shot it in the actual apartment that I was living in at the time. Um, and it was, like, totally inspired by, like, real-life events. Like, there. So you were the old man? I am Eddie. <laughs> You were creeping on your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. No, like, you know, you were obviously there at the location. You can see, like, at my window at the apartment, like, sort of perfectly lined up with my neighbor's window. Mm-hmm. And we could see each other, basically, if we had our lights on, you know. So she's probably creeping on me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there was just one time um, where, like, my my neighbor just, like, walked through. And she wasn't nude, like, in the... In the short, yeah, you just gave away part of. the Well, short. I mean, it's in the it's in the teaser. It is kind of. So yeah, if you, <laughs> now we've got people excited. Yeah, if you haven't seen the teaser, there's a nude woman. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this girl just kind of walked through real quick, like with her top off, and it like made me feel like really weird to just see that and like knowing that she didn't know that I had seen it. Yeah. And so I kind of got this idea that, like... So you took note of the time, and you woke up at that time every day for the yeah. next week. <laughs> no, that, that never happened again. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. And then I had known Eddie, the actor, whose actual name is Eddie. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, I mean, he's got this crazy look you can describe. Dude, I mean, visually, like a tapestry for a face. Yeah. He's so many wrinkles and beard hairs, and, I mean, you could just sense like what he's been through in life. Yeah. It's interesting. Like gray hair down yeah. to his shoulders, massive beard. Oh yeah. Like sort of disfigured face, like a kind little of. bit. The nose, yeah, nose canted a little bit to one one side, but just But like a great look. A really great look. I mean, something you want to photograph. Absolutely. Right. Texture. And so anyway, I just thought he would be really great sort of in that role and then just kind of build a story around like why he lived there what his motivations were and went from there. Nice. And actually you were pretty instrumental in it actually being made because we were coming back from New York, a music video shoot that we did. Um, and I kind of tossed the idea around to you and you were like all about it. And yeah. you're like, yeah, we should just make that. And then we got back and we just did. Exactly. You just needed a little push. We little just needed- Motivation. We needed a really good grip gaffer. <laughs> Named Stephen Elder. God, yeah. T- tell us about Stephen Elder. So if you watch the movie, you'll notice in the credits, that's the gaffer's name. Who is that guy? It is Alex's alter ego. We, um, like I said, there's pretty much no budget for it. We kind of got all of our gear through, you know, connections and... Mm-hmm. You know, I think we went through Ohio HD yeah, up and, in Columbus. Yeah, and Central Grip and lighting as well. Yeah. Um, and they both really helped us out with getting us sort of the professional gear we needed so we could make a good film mm-hmm. um, without much of a budget. But um, so, yeah, that's where Stephen Elder came into play because we had, what, t- two people on our crew? It was me, you, and Anthony Schneider, who who he's been on the show before. He was the uh, he was an editor with Leap Frame. He's now out in L.A. working at uh, E Film, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was me, you, him, and did we have somebody else? I don't think so. I think it was just us three. Yeah. So basically, we had on. one, you know, non-director DP crew member, mm-hmm. and then Stephen Elder, basically, is what we call Alex when he kind of <laughs> does everything and yeah, he DPs and gaffs and grips. That's funny. So we just made up a name for oh, that. I, there it was some mixture of my actual name because my middle name's Stephen, and then Elder. Elder was. The beginning of Elkins and the end of Alexander. Mm-hmm. Stephen Elder. Right. Yeah. That's how it came about. <laughs> I randomly added Stephen Elder to a different video just because I wanted to the other day. Really? Yeah. Just for the hell of it? I was it? like, let's just get this name out there and make people think this is like a real person they can oh, yeah. contact. He's got to be a gaffer, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Well, very cool. So you entered the film into festivals once it was done. Did it do well? Did it not do well? I mean, it didn't do well because, I mean, obviously you're hoping to get some sort of big recognition out of it, and that didn't happen. I mean, there were like three very small festivals that yeah. accepted it, showed it, but, I mean, you know, that's... Yeah. They're they're so small that it's kind of like, do you even include them in, on the video? You know what I For mean? Sure. So it's good that... Some people recognized it, but it never got the big hit that everybody wants or anything like that. Yeah, but, but it wasn't really meant to be a, a commercial success or anything. It was kind of just a story no. you'd had and just wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super happy with it. Like, yeah. it just is a really, it has a really cool ending that I think yep. sort of connects with people. Everybody that I've shown it to kind of really likes that part of it. So well, I think music was crucial to that film. Yeah. So the the ending song um, and some of the score throughout. Who uh, do you remember? Who did the score? Who did any of the music? The post audio stuff. Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot now. I'm gonna have to. You actually recommended him to me. I think. Yeah. Um, he was in Columbus. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I can't think of his name at the moment. I'm blanking on his name too. All I can think of is Adam, which it wasn't Adam. <laughs> He's the only sound audio guy. But I think but it's you a know well. The reason I can't remember is Jeff. We, yeah, Jeff Geller. Ge- uh, Geller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Geller. Shout out to you, Jeff. Thank yeah. you for uh, putting the audio. Yeah, sorry, on. Jeff. Him and I actually had never met, so since it was a reference through Alex, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked at the credits in a bit, I kind of blanked there. But um, actually, there's a, another Columbus band called Kid Runner, mm-hmm. who uh, let us use one of their songs that kind of. Happens at the emotional climax of the movie, so I was really happy that they did that. For sure, didn't uh, Anderson Kale have a? Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, Jesse Kale, who I've known for a while, um, he has a band called Anderson Kale, um, and he does a lot of his own music. Um, they lent one of their old songs to the film as well. So nice, really cool soundtrack for as short as it is. It's only eight minutes long, so yeah. But a lot happens in eight minutes. Especially nudity. <laughs> Man, you're just plugging that. To I'm trying to sell watch. the nudity. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch a nude person. If you want to see a 70-year-old bad, no, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should go there. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So short film done in the can, released on fdbpodcast.com. What's next in the narrative realm for Bradley Gollowin? I'm going to call you Bradley from now on. <laughs> 
Because yeah, I like I the way that sounds. I don't even know who I am anymore. Am I Brad or Bradley? To me, you're always Bradley. But you call me Brad. Only when I'm angry at you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe changing my professional name to Bradley. Should we have the listeners weigh in on that? No. I think we should. They don't care. I think, do you like Brad or Bradley better? That's my, just a question I'm going to pose. You, you can answer if you want. You don't my, have to. My family calls me Bradley. Like, that's my birth name, but yeah. my friends just call me Brad. I don't know if I ever knew this, but what's your middle name? My middle name is Ross. Ross. Bra- Bradley Ross. Ooh, that's a that's a detention, like, grounding name. Bradley Ross. I don't know. When you're I, doing something bad. I always think of Friends. Ross from Friends. David Schwimmer. Schwimmer. Yeah. Do you think he was a good swimmer? I think he was, yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> what All were right. we talking about? Narrative filmmaking and what's next for Bradley Ross, which um, that's that should be your name now. No. Drop the Gala one. Just drop my last name. Yeah, Bradley Ross. Done. What's your middle name? Steven, I already told you. Oh, yeah. God, you don't listen. Well, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Narrative filmmaking. What's next? Um, I've been working on a screenplay for... Quite a while now, at least it seems like it because you're always like wanting to see it. I think you've I think you've given up hope. I'm a pusher. I, I just push you. Been working on it for about a year and a half now, and that's not to say I'm like sitting down every day and writing it. You should be. I know I should be, but I'm I'm kind of taking my time with it. And the thing about it, it's a World War II like period piece. Um, so like there's a lot of information to be gathered and. Um, I just keep finding new areas of inspiration and learning new things about the time period that it's hard to sort of settle on my final screenplay. So you're doing your homework. Yeah. How did this idea come? I mean, you don't have to say what it's about or anything. I can say what it's about. Well, okay, fine. Let's start there. What's it about and how did you come up with this idea or even begin to want to do a film on the topic? Um. It takes place uh, in 1943, uh, Nazi-occupied Poland at a concentration camp. So it's definitely not... So it's a light romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's pretty heavy and dark um, drama. And it's basically about a uh, Nazi doctor who conducts experiments on his patients. And um, it's not like horror at all it's just really sort of mundane but violent and just you know very sad um and the basic premise of it is that he has a patient who he ends up developing feelings for and then he sort of has an existential crisis on where his loyalty lies whether it's with the reich and sort of his mission or whether it's with the person that he loves and then um, kind of has to make a decision there, and a lot of messed up things happen. Wow. That sounds intense. Yeah. It very also intense. Sounds, yeah, very, like you're saying, historically involved information-wise. Right. So does it take, can you talk about the content, like where it takes place action-wise in this type of environment and what all we would see or not see in the film? Right. Well, if it's ever going to get made, you know, it's got to be 
you know, I can't just write the most, it's not a Steven Spielberg. Can't do big battles on the beach. Or, right. Yeah. So it's, it mostly takes place within the doctor's actual like office at, you know, theoretical Auschwitz, basically. That's kind of what it's mm. modeled after. Um, but it's not so truthy that it's trying to say this happened at Auschwitz. It's just at a concentration camp and this could have happened. Yeah. Um, so most of it takes place within that room and then also back at the doctor's like living quarters. And there isn't really, it's very limited with the amount of actual characters. So it's it's pretty heavy with the dialogue. Mm. Um, but there's also quite a bit of action in the sense of one-on-one because like I said, he's conducting, you know, messed up experiments. Um, but there isn't any sort of grand, like, you know, 100,000 prisoners shot or anything like that. Yet. It's more, yeah. <laughs> You're still writing. Right. There won't be. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. But, well, can I, uh, let me ask something real quick. So in your travels through Europe, in our, in our talks, you had a, a location that you were really interested in visiting, both personally and because it might provide some insight to the script. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, when I was in Poland, um, the band, like I said earlier, went to Russia um, and I couldn't go. So I kind of just waited for them to swing back around and join them for the second half of the tour. Um, so I, I got to stay there for eight days in uh, Krakow, which is right next to Auschwitz. So I definitely took the opportunity to go there um, and I mean, that's, it was just super heavy and, you know, what can, what can you say about it? And, you know, it's like, I remember at Auschwitz one, there was one room that we walked into and it was just the entire room basically behind a glass display was full of like human hair, like from the floor to like, you know, the ceiling, just old, matted, like, human hair that was left behind. And it's just, I mean, you have to see it, you know? What can you say about it? Impactful, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was heavy, for sure. And then um, I got to go to Auschwitz II, which is, like, five minutes away, and that's the location that you always see in the movies that has, like, you know where they arrive on the train and they, you know, they sort them one or two live or die. And that's, that's where that is. And it just, uh, they've got like a memorial there and they've got like, I went on like the extended tour. Like a lot of people do like two hours, three hours. I did like a six hour full day, everything they have to show anybody I got to see. So like I went all the way to the back like past the train tracks into the building where like they actually had the people like winding through the corridors, cutting their hair, taking their clothes off, and then they, you know, go into the gas chamber. So I actually got to like see that stuff. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. I can only imagine how much of a, an impact that would have had. Yeah. And then like at Auschwitz one, um, the gas chambers at Auschwitz, too, are, like, they're sort of in ruins now. 
But at Auschwitz one, they did have like a smaller gas chamber that I got to go into and you could see like on the walls, there's like scratch marks and like the room just feels like super cold. And um, and you can see like over in the corner, like the crematorium where they burn the bodies. And so, yeah, not Damn. A, not a very fun subject, but uh, definitely an important one. And, you know, something that's important for people to remember, you yeah. know, part of part of human history. I mean, that's it's yeah. not going away. It happened. No. Uh, but, uh, wow. so what, what differences or what, uh, changes, if any, did you make to your script after witnessing that? Well, the weird thing about being there is that when I went, I was expecting, like, it definitely was emotional and heavy, but I expected it to be more than it was. I expected to like, I don't know why, like as if I would see the crimes happening and it's just not like how it was at all. Like it was just full of like tourists. Like mm -hmm. it, it was a really weird thing. And it was like a 70, 70 degree day and it was sunny and like some of the old buildings like looked beautiful and yet such bad things happened inside of them. So, but to answer your question, the main, the most valuable thing was actually just seeing like the layout of the land, what the buildings look like, walking through the guards' quarters, the doctors' quarters, and just like, just being there, having a sense for the physical space and what it would have been like. I had no idea what it, you know, just seeing it on like movies and TV, you're just seeing little angles showing whatever they want you to see. Mm -hmm. but like now I actually know what the space was like and I feel like that's really valuable. Absolutely, because it hel helps you construct your world in the film. Right. Were, were you ever uh, kind of forcibly, like did you go in thinking about the film and okay, how, how's this gonna affect what I write, blah, 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 but then at some point you were just unable to even think about your film because of these events or things you were witnessing? Um, kind of a weird question, but yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I wasn't really directly thinking about my film when I was there. I was just sort of trying to process all the information. And I mean, we, our tour guide was like an expert on like all things Auschwitz and World War II and just sort of learning all the different facts that she knew was amazing. So sort of just processing it later on rather than in the moment, like, you know, thinking about my film per se. So you're fully involved just in, I wouldn't say enjoying, but learning and experiencing. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. What an experience. I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. I haven't gotten to really experiencing, experience anything so, uh, important to our history. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And I mean, that was like, a, you know, a part of also why I wanted to go on the tour because I knew I would be like right there and have that chance to do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that experience will, you know, it'll give me a perspective that, you know, a lot of other people don't have and people writing about that time unless they specifically go there also wouldn't have. So, yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I, I'm honestly excited to uh, read the script once you're done with it and uh, see what we can get going. What's uh, what's next for you? I mean, you know, we talked about music, the music video realm with Red Sun Rising, and got anything in the works music video wise? Um, nothing big. I mean, we have a you and I, if you remember, have a small shoot next week. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. For just a, a local rock band. Um, but yeah, besides that, I'm just I'm sort of trying to transition away from music videos in general. And just that's kind of what I was talking to you about, maybe changing my name. Yeah. Just to sort of brand myself more as filmmaker, editor, and even photography-wise, I just want to get into doing more, you know, not like live photo photography, but just sort of fashion-y kind of stuff. Nice. So kind of just want to be that rather than rock music video. So kind of a new a new direction, a new almost an entirely new business for you. Yeah. And it's really tough to figure out how how to change it because people sort of know me for certain things and it's hard to know how to get to where I want to be without completely abandoning other things that, you know, bring in money that I do and Yeah. Well, I don't think you have to. I mean, honestly, just from my my point of view, I think you can take the skills, the the vision that you have on certain other projects, say music videos, rock, metal, music videos in particular, take that thread of kind of creative vision that you have and apply it. The The trick is just showing or getting people to understand how that vision can be applied to other avenues like commercial or fashion or right. whatever. Yeah, I just, I feel like there's a certain stigma with the kind of the rock metal video world. And I feel like in a sense to be taken seriously as a filmmaker, you know, if you have like, let's say on Vimeo, like a film that is right next to like a rock video, I feel like people won't Mm. appreciate that as much as if you just had a certain type of work, which is the work I want to move towards, but not where I'm at yet. I've got a simple solution for you. What's that? A separate Vimeo channel. I know. <laughs> or a separate website or a separate, you know, there is a way to to kind of delineate to be right. like, this is Brad Gallowin, metal director, rock director. This is Brad Gallowin, fashion photographer slash dramatic filmmaker. Right. So I've been thinking about yeah. like a new production company maybe or just changing mm. my name and so... That's kind of what I'm in right now, trying to figure out what the next step is, the best way to sort of mm. brand myself to move into doing what I really want to be doing. Nice. I mean, that's almost where, I wouldn't say almost, that is where people even starting out, like maybe thinking about getting into the industry or any of that jazzy, they're they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I brand myself? How do I even begin to kind of pitch myself to potential clients? Do you have any advice, like going through this process yourself, say someone's starting to even think about getting into the industry and they have a specific vision, do you, do you have any words of wisdom that you've learned throughout this process? Well, I know what makes it difficult for me is that I do so many different things. Like I direct music videos, films, I edit all the music videos, I edit films, I edit corporate um 
you know, I, I color sometimes. I, I kind of do everything. And so in that sense, it makes it difficult for me to kind of brand myself as like just a director. So I'm not saying necessarily not to do more than one thing, but I feel like it's definitely easier for people to kind of be known for something and get somewhere if they're just, you know, a director of photography rather than, you know, for a while I think you were doing several things and then you kind of decided just to be director of photography. Yeah. So I think when I first started, I kind of felt like the more things I do, the better. But now I'm kind of feeling like it's better to just do one or two things and then be really good at them. You know what I mean? So the old adage, like jack of all trades, master of none kind of philosophy. Right. My question with that side note, is it possible to be a master of multiple (laughs) things and a jack of some? The inverse? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of like a Steven Soderbergh type of uh, individual who writes, produces, directs, shoots, edits all of his own stuff, most of his own stuff. It's it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Okay, so what you're saying for for people entering the industry or thinking about entering the industry, if I can distill it down into kind of like a single thought, is be specialized? Would, Would that be safe to assume? Yeah, I think if you're trying to get, for example, editing work, but people sort of know you as a grip and, you know, a director and an editor and a writer and an AC. It's, I don't think people are going to think of you first when they need you for the editing job because mm-hmm. they're not going to think of you as an editor. They're going to think of you as... An also editor. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Cool. What about style? Do you think it's, uh, it's possible to have multiple styles or multiple points of view or do you think along with the skill specialization, one should try to kind of limit their scope or vision to a specific track? I think it's definitely, I like I have several different points of view and styles and that's what I'm struggling with now. I feel like, you know, for example, on like Instagram or something, one day I'm posting like, you know, a picture of a rock band you know, live concert photo. And then the next day it's of, you know, a model in a studio and they just, they're they're so different that I feel like I'm never going to get that following of people that like this thing Mm. because people like things to be more specialized. So I think it's definitely possible, but kind of going along with the, you know, jack of all trades thing, I think it might be better to sort of find your point of view and sort of hone in on that and just really perfect that. At yeah. least that's where I'm at now, you know? No, I feel you. I mean, I, where, like you, you know, alluded to earlier, where I started out um, was kind of in this discovery phase. And, and I was like, oh, I should just do everything. I should do everything. And then I still had this forethought, like, okay, once I do everything, once I've experienced all these different jobs, classifications, whatever, I'll have a better understanding of where I eventually want to go. And I wasn't in any rush. I kind of like, okay, I'm going to AC a bit, grip a bit, do some electrician work, do some gaff work, key grip, 
camera operate, whatever. And eventually all those different experiences will motivate me towards one specific track, whether it be DP, director, writer, whatever. When you think of the top tier dogs, producer, maybe, I don't know. I didn't know. But through the lighting, the grip, the camera work, all that, and experiencing what the top dudes did, I was able to say, oh, okay, yeah. I want to be a DP. You realized what you wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, I don't want to direct. You know, I've got ideas, but also as a DP, you have influence on the final project. And not that you should force your influence, but in working with you and Brandon and other directors, it's, okay, yeah, we can kind of craft something. And you, you have a say. Right. So yeah. it just depends on what you ultimately want. I think experiencing all that stuff as a newbie, as a kind of beginning green dude, is valuable, but go into that realizing that you're eventually going to have to choose a path. Right. You can't just be everything forever. Yeah, you can't just, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, in influencing what your stylistic choices and what you want to do, is is there anything you're watching that's kind of helping that mindset along? Right now, I'm watching Black Mirror. Have you heard of that? I love it. Uh, yeah. UK, a British series, yeah. a really dark sci-fi, twisty, crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. It's on Netflix. Um, I'm like halfway through it. Season one or season two? Um, well, actually, I watched season one, and then the other night, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up watching the first one of season three, um, which Wait, has like never happened. There's before. a third season? Yeah. Oh. Which has never happened before. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. But That's it the new one. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's an anthology. Like each episode is different. Yeah. And it just, they all kind of carry the same thing, theme of technology and kind of like where we might be going in the future. And like that first episode, how messed up was that? Of season three or season one? One with the pig. Oh my God. The politician and the pig or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like this crazy politician wakes up. Like he's woken up in the middle of the night and he's like brought downstairs yeah. with his like core group of advisors. And there's like a terrorist that has basically taken like sort of like the princess. His daughter. Basically, yeah. yeah. But somebody that the whole country reveres. Yeah. And they don't want money. They don't want. They just want him embarrassed. Yeah. You, so, <laughs> you, you don't want to go there? We can. The whole deal is uh, we'll release your daughter if you uh, – how do I put this radio safe? If you – Copulate with a pig. Copulate. That's a good word. With a swine. On live television. On live television. And then if he does that, they'll let her go. Yeah. But there's a twist that we're not going to get away – give away. But uh, – That's the basic – it's it's yeah, intense. It, it, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's really well done. Oh my god, the tension and the like, if he's going to decide to do it and how? Yeah, and, oh it goes from like, are you kidding me? There's no way. Like, why would I do that? Like, this yeah. is ridiculous. But I mean, the other side of the coin is if he doesn't, she's going to die. Right, and then there's like mounting public pressure that like, why don't you just do this and you'll save her life? Yep. So it's oh my god. But yeah, it's really good. I would recommend checking it out. Yeah. Black each, Mirror. Each episode's about an hour long, so it's kind of like a, a feature investment in time. 
But the new right. season's really good. I, I've watched two of them. Yeah, the one that I watched the other night was amazing. The first one. Was that the social score thing? Yeah, like it's not, like everything that people do in this scenario is like based on their score, like out of five and like mm. people exchange. Instead of money, like you rate somebody when you walk by them and they'll rate you back. And if you drop below a certain... Like the the lady wanted to be a four point five so she could afford a house. Yeah, but she just kept falling down and. It's it's intense and it's it's almost a a really depressing extrapolation of of where our current society could go with the selfies and the right. you know pictures of your food or your coffee exactly or whatever. It's just like oh my god. Like the nobody cares how many likes. Come right. on. Like the there's one shot where she's at a coffee place and she's got a coffee and like a cookie and she bites into the cookie not to eat it, but just to get the perfect bite mark on it so she yeah. can put it down on her plate and take a picture of it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but the subtlety and the, the way it, it delivers those ideas is crazy. Love that show. Yeah, It definitely has a lot to say about where we're at, you yeah. know, societally anyway. Cool. So, TV shows, any movies? Movies. Yeah. What's the last movie that I watched? Docs or features or, or I mean, narrative? Man, I can't, I've really been into the TV shows lately. Really? What about you? What have I watched? Uh, we went and saw, it's not doing very well on Rotten Tomatoes, but we went and saw Passengers mm. with uh, Chris Pratt and. Oh, uh, Jennifer uh, Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence. I loved it. Honestly, yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. It's a definitely kind of popcorn fare. It's not what's like super the basic heady. premise. The premise is five thousand people board a spaceship and are put into cryogenic hibernation on their way to another planet to start a new world, a new colony for human population. Um. The, the trip's supposed to last like 94 years or something, basically 100 years. Chris Pratt, due to a uh, glitch in the system, is woken up after X amount of years. Like way, way too. He's still got like 94 years to go, mm -hmm. right? So he's going to die on the ship, basically, now that he's woken up. So he tries to solve the problem, blah, blah, blah. He's faced with a a dilemma and it's, it's kind of how he goes about solving that, but it's really, really interesting. Yeah. I feel like any, any I can't give away too much. Like, anything know. that takes place in outer space. I love you. Like it. Love it. Love it. The darker, the better, honestly, alien, <laughs> uh, event horizon. I mean, dude, that movie is creepy. Event horizons. Amazing. That movie like creeped me out when I was a little. Yeah. Sa uh, what's his name? Sam. Neil. Sam Neil. Yeah. Jurassic park guy. Yeah, that Chloe bit, that oh, that God. whole part. Anyway, nobody's seen that movie that's listening. No, you should. If you have not seen Event Horizon <laughs> and you want to be both terrified and entertained at the same time, go watch it. I can't actually remember if it's a good movie or if I thought it was. I love it. I just remember being like a young child and watching it and being terrified. Yeah. There were a couple times in college where uh, me and my buddy Joel, uh, we, we'd both seen the movie. 
But at the end of a long night, you know, you'd have fun, whatever, partying, etc. We're like, ah, I want to watch a movie. Let's watch Event Horizon. We'd always start it like literally six times, six or seven times. We'd start the movie, get about 40 minutes in and everybody would fall asleep. Yeah. So you're saying it's a great movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That and Starship Troopers are two movies that I could watch on repeat probably for the rest of my days. I've never seen Starship Troopers, but <sighs> I'm guessing I can speak for Brandon and saying it's probably horrible. It's amazing. It's amazing. That sounds like borderline superhero. No, it's like uh, commentary on government propaganda mixed with sci-fi action amazingness. Seriously. Right. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it go it kind of goes along with like your Nazi thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a futuristic society all under kind of one government control. Their emblem, their they all the officials wear gray and black. Their emblem's an eagle. Hmm. Um everyone has to do like government service as in order to be considered quote a citizen. Otherwise you're just a person. You you have no rights as a citizen if you don't do government service. So our, your main character goes, decides, oh, I'm going to be a, a mobile infantryman. And they have this ongoing war with the arachnid, the bug species from another planet. It's is, really is cool. Is Tim Allen in that movie? No. What's? Do you know the one that he's in? Tim Allen. Yeah, I think I'm getting it confused. Oh, the comedic uh, ga- Galaxy Quest. Yeah. No, that's not this. That's a, a funny movie. This is a okay. not supposed to be funny Um Propaganda film. Yeah. Okay. Really good. You should check it out. All right. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, who did uh, RoboCop and Total Recall. Really good movies. Cool. Yeah. He's a, he's a Dutch filmmaker that got kicked out of the United States, basically, because uh, <laughs> he wouldn't make the films people wanted him to make. We watched uh, RoboCop 2 on the tour bus when we were in Europe. Yeah. I mean. Why not one? I mean, we didn't like just have any movie that we wanted. It <laughs> it's was called the internet, Brad. It was whatever. There was a DVD. They had a DVD player on the bus, mm, mm. so we were just going with whatever was on there. Gotcha. So not a lot of great movie watching, but <laughs> nice. Do they have? Okay, speaking of them, can you speak for them? Do they have a, a visual style, a movie they like? Red Sun Rising, that is. Uh, was there one thing that came up over and over again throughout your trip where you're like, oh my God, this movie? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're all just like five guys with different tastes and um, I don't know that they have one one style curious. to point to. Yeah, I'm just know? curious. There's some groups of people that are like, oh, we always watch this movie. We watched Spring Breakers a couple of times. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Spring Break. Yeah. yeah. James Franco. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And uh, who's the rapper with the ice cream tattoo? I don't know. I never paid attention. Whatever. That anyway. movie's ridiculous. Yeah, Harmony Corinne. Uh, did you ever see any of his other films? Yeah, like uh, Gummo. Gummo. Crazy. Or he yeah. did. He also did a music video for Die Antwerp. Yeah. Which right. one was that? Uh, I forget which one it is, but it's a narrative kind of weird style one. It's not just a performance video. Yeah, he he has an odd taste as a director. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, uh, what's next, man? Anyth- anything we didn't cover? 
Were you going? Any questions you have? I have a question for you. Like I haven't what? really, I haven't talked to you. Like, what have you been up to? I, I figure we're gonna do that later off the air. I mean, we can if you'd like. <laughs> What's up? We just hadn't talked about uh, the last film you did and everything. UFO. Yeah. I think I talked about it a little on the show. Did but, you? Um, did you already cover it? No, maybe not too in depth. What questions do you have? I don't know. I'm just wondering. How it went and what do you have coming up next? So I was on this movie in town called UFO. I was the A camera operator. Um, it was great. I mean, we had, it was not like huge budget. It wasn't a huge star. In, I mean, we had Jillian Anderson who played Scully in uh, the X-Files. Oh, so that was cool. kind of cool. Yeah. And she was great. It was, it was really nice working with her. She was very... Uh, you know, there for the movie and for for the story, and and not pretentious or anything like that. It's right. a really nice kind of break from the kind of classic classic stuck up Hollywood star norm that you're used to hearing. There mm-hmm. are also a lot of really generous, talented, uh, dedicated individuals in the business. So, right, right. Uh, so it was cool working with her. It was a it's a story um, right along my alley. I mean, it was sci fi ish. In the sense that people in Cincinnati witness a UFO event at CVG Airport, a kid, Derek, doesn't believe the official story that it was a drone. Mm -hmm. He does the math, figures out it wasn't four feet across, it's 88 feet across, does all this digging, uh, trying to prove that it was actually a UFO and not a, a drone. Yeah. Comes to a certain conclusion, et cetera. Sounds it's, interesting. Yeah, really good. Right up my alley. Yeah. Um, really good experience. It was mostly dolly work. So I was working with the dolly grip and doing these nice long, in the DP and doing these nice long tracking, booming shots. There's a little bit of handheld only when it was uh, useful for like a, a sequence where military men mm-hmm. abduct the main character. Uh, to show kind of action right. and panic. But it was great. I, I had cool. a fantastic time. What about the new one? Have you talked about that at all, or is that? Maybe. I don't know if I mentioned it all, but I'm on a new movie. Um, I, I wouldn't say unofficially, but I got my, hey, welcome to the team letter. Okay. Uh, so I'll be B camera operator on the new um, Emilio Estevez and Alec Baldwin film in Cincinnati called The Public. Sweet. Yeah. So it centers around the Cincinnati Public Library, a really cold winter, a homeless population, and a moral decision. Yeah. So it sounds like Cincinnati's doing pretty well with the movies. Dude, they're crushing it. Yeah. I, I'm, there was a time a few years ago, a couple years ago, where I, I kind of weighed the option. Do I leave? Do I go to a bigger market? Do I try to, I don't know, uh, tap into more opportunities, et cetera, in like mm-hmm. LA or New York or Atlanta? Um, but I ultimately came down to the fact that, no, it's kind of, I like being here. This, this is home and I have the opportunity to help build something versus just kind of exist in an already built area. So I'm really glad I did because this area is really up and coming. Awesome. Came at the right time. It did. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but that starts, uh, the end of this month and goes through the end of February. Sweet. Well, I'll see you at the end of February. (laughs) No doubt. I'll be uh we got our shoot and then I'm I'm booked. Yeah.
Well, cool, dude. Um, anything else you want to touch on? Add, subtract. No, I would just say, uh, you know, go check out Eddie on the FDB website. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Well, cool, dude. Thanks as always for coming on the show. It's uh, been great catching up. We're gonna do some catching up later on. And uh, to all our listeners out there, yes, go to ftbpodcast.com. Watch the Eddie film by Brad Gollowin. It's only going to be on our website, nowhere else. Uh, and weigh in. Let us know what you think about it on Slack, on Twitter, at FTB Podcast, Instagram the same. And we'll catch you next week. Cool. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.